Peak Wealth Management proudly presents Finding True Wealth with certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot. Nick and Jim believe by making simple, good financial decisions, you can retire with confidence. And now let's turn it over to your hosts, Nick and Jim. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Retire With Confidence podcast. I don't know what the ep- which episode, but I'm Nick. And I'm Jim. And we wanna make sure that you all know about the May, is it May the 4th? May like, the 4th. Like the May the 4th, you. be with you, with yeah. You. So May the 4th is our shredding party. <laughs> We're having two shredding trucks. So if you have your old tax returns and of course image those in, but if you have old paperwork, that you are piling up. Don't in the feel office. good about tossing it in the trash. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to put stuff with your PII. Mm-hmm. Um, prim- Pers- personal. Personally identifiable information. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> We're gonna have the truck. The truck here. Um, as and what all. What's kind of unique about this is that it's gonna be a truck that has uh, electronic shredding as well. Mm-hmm. So that iPad from 2010 that has the old charger cable on it. That yeah. <laughs> Couldn't even charge it if you wanted to. Right, right? yeah, because those cables <laughs> They're gone. Are, are broken and you can't <laughs> buy them, I, I, I would guess. Uh, those can be shredded as well. Also, like behind this wall here, this is a, a you know, a, this is why you should be watching on YouTube because mm-hmm. you don't know which wall I'm talking about. Right. But behind that wall is our closet and there's a bunch of old computers back there. I mean, I don't know how, how far back they go, but they... They need to be disposed of properly because there's probably some PII sensitive on there. information, yeah. Yeah, sensitive info, and uh, and also it gets recycled properly. You know, you don't want to just throw those things in the trash. Although I put batteries in the trash, is that bad? Ooh, yeah, is that bad? I, apparently, it's frowned upon. Yeah. Okay, so what should I do? <laughs> uh, you got me. I'm as guilty as you are, Preston. <laughs> Preston's producing today, so if there's any edits that you don't like, he, it's his fault. <laughs> no idea? No. Okay. <laughs> okay, so anyway, uh, May the 4th. Um, oh, we're also going to have Maya's Deli catering, and we're going to yeah. have like all the beer that is in my garage fridge. We're going to bring that too. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a social event. <laughs> yeah, 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 a little happy hour. Productive and social. From, from four to six, so happy hour. Okay, so what are we talking about today? Um, it's kind of a follow-up, kind of like a, a, a follow-up to the <clears throat> low interest rates episode we did, which was episode 111, March 2021. And the concept there was low interest rates and what to do, what to do uh, about that, mm-hmm. okay? And so the chart that we're looking at, again, you're gonna wanna watch this on YouTube rather than listening in the car. This chart, I was you know, going through Twitter over the weekend and I, uh, I, I just stopped on this chart because it was so fascinating. I mean, if mm-hmm. what we're looking at here are bond returns. I don't know how far it goes back, um, but like say 50 years of bond returns and where it started the year on January 1st and how it went through uh, the end of the year till December 31st. And you can see uh, 
the 20 the April 2022 black line here is by far the worst year in bonds and worse than than 1980 which was like a generational generationally bad year for bonds so since then the, on this chart 1999 which is the red line that was the, actually the worst year for bonds which was minus about five percent mm -hmm. and right now the year-to-date return for the global aggregate bond index is minus 10.4 okay so in 1999 which is the second worst year it was maybe minus, close to minus about 7% at the worst point, and it closed uh, closer to minus 0.5. So it had a drawdown of minus 7, and it finished minus 5. We're already at minus 10 plus. Okay, so what does this mean? Yeah. Okay, so um, the reason why these prices are down so, so poorly is because rates have spiked. Now we have an environment where we had low rates for many many years but then after covid or during the covid crisis the 10-year went to 0.6 percent really mm -hmm. low mm -hmm. and since then <laughs> they've been coming up dumb boy <laughs> <laughs> so when we did the podcast last march so about 13 months ago mm -hmm. the 10-year was already at 1.6 right so it went from 0.6 to 1.6 mm -hmm. and we saw bond losses last year as well minus three-ish, right. minus three percent or so. And now, last March, 1.6. Today, like 2.9 on mm -hmm. the 10-year. So when, when you have a big move like that, what happens? Yeah, when the, when the rates go up, bonds go down, okay. which is why we've seen such a sharp uh, decline this year. Yeah. You know, I think right. when we talked last March, we, we knew that rates wouldn't stay low forever, right? And that's why we did the podcast to start talking about a little bit but I don't think a move like this was anticipated by anybody for sure this was way worse mm -hmm. way worse so now you have the Fed threatening to raise rates which I think has been the catalyst for this the inflation mm -hmm. right so we have all this inflation like 8% annual run rate and what does the Fed do they control the money supply what do they do to try and stop inflation yeah, they, they raise, raise rates, rates right? Yeah. To try to slow down the economy and so slow down inflation. They, they control like money market rates, mm -hmm. right? The prime rate and overnight rate, which is basically the money market rate. Mm -hmm. They don't control the 10 year rate. The market responds to the Fed. Right. And the market has punished bonds by raising rates mm -hmm. because they are starting to think that the Fed is actually will follow through on their threats of raising rates. Mm -hmm. So if you remember back to like Thanksgiving, Goldman Sachs came out like on the Friday after Thanksgiving and said, we think the Fed is going to raise rates like six times next year. And everyone was like, whoa. Yeah, right. Knee-jerk <laughs> reaction. Look, yeah. and if you look at the stock market and the bond market since Thanksgiving, especially those NASDAQ type names, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a bear market. Yeah, absolutely. Right, like half those stocks are down by half. Yeah. Like, look at Netflix now. This is yeah. not a recommendation for any stocks right. or any particular strategy. But like some of these high-flying names, Netflix, for instance, mm -hmm. was at 700 about a year ago. Yeah. And now it's at about 200. Right. So, Preston, what's 500 divided by 700? <laughs> uh, it's like 70. 70%. It's a 70% yeah. drop-ish? Yeah. Okay. I mean, what does this remind you of? 
1999, right? right? <laughs> Tech bubble. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, isn't that peculiar? <laughs> okay, so um, perversely, I like to use that word. Mm -hmm. If you're an aggressive investor this year, mm -hmm. what is your return, you know, <laughs> if you're an index aggressive investor? Right. If Minus 10? Yeah. Okay. If you were a conservative investor, meaning you're buying the aggregate bond index, this is all index-based stuff, no recommendations, minus 10. Mm -hmm. So how have you ever seen a time period where it doesn't matter if you're aggressive or conservative or in the middle, everyone's returns are minus 10. Yeah, you're down. It's crazy, isn't it? It's nuts. Every time, you know, those aggressive investors who want to be in stocks, you know, where would you go to hide when you when you felt like it was going to get rough? You would go to bonds, and now they yes. offer no protection. So that's the irony, okay? Yeah. Is that you buy the bonds for safety, and you just got your face ripped off. Mm -hmm. The worst quarter since the '70s. I don't even know. At this point, I don't know. It's, it could yeah. be the worst ever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Look at this. Right. But you know, going back to 1980, it's the worst. Um, is there a silver lining? I would say, hey, if you're a bond buyer today, yeah, right, that's not a bad thing, right? Um, versus, would you rather buy now or last March, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> You'd want to buy now, right? I guess what you have to look forward to is better interest payments, yeah. right? Yes, that's the point. Mm -hmm. So, let's think about this for a second. When we did episode 111 last March, the 10 year was 1.6. Mm -hmm. So you know that over the next 10 years, you're going to make. 1.6. So that's like 16%, right? There's compounding and whatever, but, but you know, 16% mm -hmm. over 10 years. Over 10 years, okay. yeah. Well, it's been a year mm -hmm. and you lost like 10%, right? Mm -hmm. So that means that over the next nine years, that person is going to make 25%. Right. Because you're still going to. 26. Yeah. 26? Yeah. And what's 26 divided by nine? It's like 3% a year. Right. And where's the current 10-year? Not quite 3%. Closing in on it. See, see how that math works? Yeah. It's very interesting. Right. So if, you're a, if you have cash that wasn't invested through this bloodbath and you put money in over the next 10 years, you're going to make like 29% because mm -hmm. 2.9 for 10 years. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, the, the difference is the guy who put in 100000 a year ago now has ninety. Right. Okay. So. Right. You lost some of that money, but that, yeah. but that, like you said, that's the trade-off, though, is those better interest payments now that have to come into play because the value of the bond is lower. That's right. So we will make it up over time. That's right. So what we talked about as maybe an idea, because rates were so low mm -hmm. last year, we said, well, you know, we buy bonds for income. Income's not really getting us excited, mm -hmm. right? I, I actually listened to the last year episode a minute ago mm -hmm. to get primed for this one. Yeah. And I said, hey, Jim, the 10 years 1.6. You know, are you excited about that? Making <laughs> 1.6 for 10 years? And what did you say? Uh, I'm sure it was no, not too excited. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> this guy is good. He's yeah. consistent. <laughs> That's right. right? <laughs> you can ask him a year later the same question. Yeah, still and, not happy. Right? Yeah, straight, straight <laughs> arrow here. So um, 1.6 was not getting us excited. So he said, all right, well, maybe there's some, well, what else, what's the other reason? It's right for safety, mm -hmm. right? So that didn't work. But, uh, and, and what we said was, well, 
We, uh, we acknowledge that it provides income, but it doesn't get us excited. We acknowledge that it provides safety, but if rates go up, then it won't provide safety. Mm -hmm. So these reasons for owning bonds are less, <clears throat> it made less sense, mm -hmm. right? Right. So would we ever abandon bonds? No. Right. For people that want to have less risk, we would never abandon them. Right. But we did say, well, maybe there's some alternatives which can uh, hedge away some of that interest rate risk and give you some more income. Mm -hmm. And so things like commodities, uh, which is not a bond alternative, but it's just an alternative it's asset different. class. Yeah, it's just different. It's different. Yeah. Diversifier. Yeah. It's not stocks. It's not bonds. If we're thinking about a balanced allocation, and we were thinking, well, maybe it's maybe there's more things besides just stocks and bonds, mm -hmm. right? You might think about commodities, private equity, real estate, yeah. private credit. So interestingly, during this time period where in less than four months, bonds go to, have gone down 10%, some of these alternative asset classes have done either great or much better relatively. Mm -hmm. So like with all this inflation, commodities, they're up like 26% this year. Yeah. You know, think about the price of oil, right? right. Everybody's paying more, yeah. Private equity is up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Real estate is up pretty good, like six, 7%. Yeah, I would expect real estate to it's be a real, It's a real asset. Right. Right, with inflation, real assets are looking good. They appreciate, yeah. Private credit, it's a mixed bag, depending on which manager you're talking to, okay? Maybe down a little bit, mm -hmm. all right, because they are, essentially fixed income, mm -hmm. which which have this type of um, characteristic, although they tend to not have the uh, the same effect of when rates go up, prices go down. Mm -hmm. They're more credit sensitive. Mm -hmm. And when stocks are down, people are nervous, right. credit goes down too. Right. But look, if you have a balanced portfolio that's 60% equity, 40% bonds, and we're talking about the S&P and the ag, mm -hmm. And they're both down 10, you're down 10. Right. Right. Well, what if you had 60% equity, 20% bond, mm -hmm. this one, and then 20% a mixture of those other things? Right. Well, let's talk about risk. Well, by, by definition, you'd have more risk than the traditional 60-40, right? True. Because bonds, backward looking, have that safety. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, but again, perversely, not this year, okay. Right. But if you uh, if you had like 60, 20, 20, where the, the last 20 are some of these, let's say 5% into each one of these types of asset classes, um, your return is minus, uh, minus 6.4. Hmm. Wow. Compared to minus 10. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty big difference. And then furthermore, let's say well, the commodities one, you know, that was plus 26. Yeah. So like, what if you didn't have that one? Right. Well, you'd be minus 7.7. So it's marginally better, right? With 80% of the money, you're still down 10. Mm -hmm. True, but it, but it helps, right? And then it, and it served its purpose. It did what we had hoped it would do, right? Yep. By acting differently. So now looking forward, right? With, with the 10 year at 2.9, I wanna ask you this. Are you excited about that? Over the next 10 years, you're making 2.9? Uh, on certain buckets of money, I would be a little bit happier. 
Okay. I mean, well, there you have it. I will ask you next year. Right. You know, <laughs> but but see the difference, right? With mm -hmm. 1.6, it was like a hard no, right? right? At 2.9, now you're like, I can maybe have a conversation about that, right? Right. So when that happens, it becomes a more attractive asset class, mm -hmm. and that's why, you know, money at some point will flow in to bonds because yeah. they want the safety of a higher, you know, the safe, <laughs> come mm -hmm. back to the safety. <laughs> they want to know that if they hold it for 10 years, then it, and it's a 10 year treasury and it's yeah, guaranteed the, that, yeah. you know, the yield it, starts getting attractive. When I was in college, it was 5%, Yeah. right? 6%, mm -hmm. it's a different world. Right. We still have a long way to go. And to wrap it up, okay, um, no prediction here, I'm not, I, not looking into the crystal ball, but in 1980, 81, whatever it was, when Paul Volcker, the Fed chief, mm -hmm. the Fed chair, broke the back of inflation is what we say, mm -hmm. right? Because inflation was double digits right. and they raised rates and just punished the economy into mm -hmm. recession, but inflation never, never came back, right? right. Until right. now. Um, they raised big time, mm -hmm. right? So if this inflation won't go away and they continue to raise, who knows? Yeah. I would guess maybe it, the stock market would react negatively mm -hmm. and that could lead the Fed to back off. Right. Th that's what I was going to say is I think that you can assume the Fed has maybe learned something through that experience as well, though. And when it comes to it, they may try to take more measured steps rather than, yeah, you know, the the real pounding. Money. Under Yellen and um, Powell, mm -hmm. they've talked a hard game. Yeah. They've talked a tough game. Yeah. But then they never have followed through on it. Right. But they never had inflation like this either. True. But so. yeah, a big part of I mean, what we saw you know the other day the market reversed hardcore when rumbling started coming out that. Well, maybe the Fed raises not just 50 basis points, but 75 basis points. And then, oh, right, the knee-jerk reaction, right? The market says, whoa, that must mean things are worse than I thought. Maybe, but maybe not, right? But that talk alone does enough to the market to, uh, to start to correct. That's a good point. In fact, in fact, if we look at this daily chart, you can see exactly what Jim is talking about right here. The market was actually up that day mm -hmm. and then closed all the way down here <laughs> as, a, as a result of those comments from the Fed. Yeah. So it's real. Okay, I think that wraps it up, right? If you would love to talk about interest rates with us, we'd love to talk to you <laughs> about them. Now, if you're looking for a second opinion with your financial plan and your portfolio, please visit peakwm.com where you can book online. And we'll see you on May 4th. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to certified financial planner Nick Hopwood and accredited investment fiduciary Jim Pilot on the Finding True Wealth podcast sponsored by Peak Wealth Management. You can learn more about Peak Wealth Management by visiting peakwm.com or follow on Twitter at nhopwood1.